0: This is The Way to Work with the ADECO Group Foundation on Monocle 24, the programme that puts the future of working life firmly in the spotlight. This week we're going to ask how emerging generations stand to shape the workforces and workplaces of the future. We'll ask about future needs, the toolkits young people will require to navigate a changing business landscape, asking if technical versatility alone is enough or whether hard skills need to be supplemented by soft We'll explore different pathways into the workplace, looking beyond the university-orientated paradigm of the past and examining how apprenticeships and work-based learning can provide an equally strong foundation for success. We'll ask how shifting values and priorities will impact company policy. And we'll find out how programmes designed to bring young people into the workplace don't just benefit Generation Z, but offer lifelong learning opportunities for individuals and companies alike. We start at the ISEC International Presidents' Meeting in Moscow. Founded after the Second World War, ISEC's grown to become the world's largest youth-run operation. Its globally-minded ambition is to equip young people with the skills they need to occupy leadership roles and to foster cross-cultural understanding. At this year's Presidents' Meeting, the future of work was high on the agenda. Thought leaders gathered to reflect on the changing face of work and discuss solutions to the challenges ahead. Alexandra Robinson is the president of ISEC International. She became involved with the organisation at university and has worked there since. Her experience has given her an unparalleled insight into the role emerging generations stand to play in the workplace. So what does Alexandra think are the key skills young people will need to thrive as they enter the workforce?
1: I think it's really diverse, um, but I think when we look at the future of work, it's a lot of the soft skills that allow people to set themselves apart. Things like being very self-aware, knowing what you're bringing to the table and what you need to work on, focusing on your strengths over your weaknesses, really being able to level yourself up. Um, being solution-oriented, so being able to be those kind of problem solvers that the future and a complex future needs. Um, being able to empower others. And then the last one is being a world citizen. So I think it's especially relevant in our current global context, but being able to continue to want to move the world forward together instead of being wanting to step back, um, I think that's going to prevent progress, and I think young people see that. And so equipping them with those skills that they can communicate and effectively translate in the workplace is really important.
0: This chimes with the results of the ADECO Group Foundation's own 2019 See the Future study. The foundation asked 5,000 young people, members of Generation Z considered to be on the leadership track, how the C-suite of tomorrow might look. More than two-thirds said soft skills would be more important than hard. The most important? Outstanding management skills. But when we talk about soft skills, from interpersonal skills to adaptability – they often sound as much like personality traits as something that can be taught. So how do we go about sharing these skills? In ISIC we believe it's possible through practical experience.
1: Um, So that's our model of development, is giving young people practical experiences in challenging environments and then giving them the opportunity to reflect on those experiences. So it's um, simple and incredibly impactful, that we give young people real responsibility, real opportunity. And we find that when they're given that and then given space to debrief and reflect and evaluate how it went, um, they are able to grow and learn at an incredibly rapid pace.
0: On the last episode of The Way to Work, we asked thought leaders from across sectors what challenges they saw ahead for the future of work. A recurring theme was the impact of digital technology and the as yet unknown ways developments in fields like AI stand to reshape familiar protocols from recruitment through to labour. So why this focus on soft skills? Isn't digital fluency and adaptability more important? David Lesmes is ISEC's Global Head of Innovation. This is what he had to say.
2: Digitalisation, or our ability as young people, to work on a digital environment is something that is natural for us. The generation millennial and the generation centennial, we are by nature digital people. We understand how to move in terms of social media. It's an easy concept for us. Therefore, I think that the concept to develop for us is that human interaction. Because for us, the digital skills are there. What is going to make the difference between one person and the other is How human can you turn that digital
0: skills to be able to collaborate in being more effective in your work? In the face of major change then, adaptability is key. So Alexandra Robinson, is this something we see present amongst emerging generations?
1: I was speaking with with one of our partners recently that said that before they had a real influx of um, young employees that had been having this previous practical experience through ISIC, they had more of a... um, slower pace of change in the organization or that employees were more satisfied with the status quo. And then when these young people come in that are not just there as young people that maybe are dissatisfied with the norm, but they come in with young people that are more comfortable with change management or be more comfortable with uncertainty, then it actually over time in a positive way can transform the workplace culture to be more agile, more entrepreneurial, um, things like that. So I think that's one thing that can happen is it can really transform workplace culture. So we see young
0: people driving real change.
1: That can just bring innovation to a workplace. So I know a lot of our partner organizations that also use ISIC members or young people that have this kind of background um, for innovation projects, for um, innovation departments. Uh, I know former people from the organization that are now working in change management in corporations, and in innovation in corporations. So roles that maybe are not your typical finance role, but are really critical for these corporate organizations to stay relevant for the future.
0: Alexandra Robinson and David Lesmes at the ISEC International Presidents Meeting in Moscow. You're listening to The Way to Work, where today we're investigating the skills individuals will need for the workplace of tomorrow, with particular focus on the young. In just a moment, we'll be hearing from Nazreen Manny, Executive Director at GAN Global. Do stay tuned. This is The Way to Work with the ADECO Group Foundation here on Monocle 24. Today we're exploring the skills that younger generations will need to thrive in a rapidly changing workplace and asking how the public and private sectors can ensure the skills are taught and taught well. Nazreen Mani is Executive Director at GAN Global. With a mandate to facilitate and promote synergy between business and education – in the form of work-based learning initiatives, Nazreen certainly well-placed to offer insights into the challenges facing emerging generations and the organisations and practices that are equipping them with the skills they need. Consensus supports the idea the future of work will be characterised by change, so one would imagine there'd be considerable intersector will to ensure that emerging generations are equipped to deal with it. But is that how Nazreen Mani sees it?
3: I think the biggest concern at the moment is that companies aren't taking it seriously enough. Uh, particularly SMEs. And then also, you know, I think our um, policymakers are, are not just being responsive. Uh, and by that I mean, you know, developing flexible curricula uh, that's able to adapt to changing technologies, to adapt to changing learning needs. Um, you know, our education systems are, are very traditional. Doesn't matter what countries you look at, except maybe the Scandinavian countries and some of the Asian countries. So, so on the whole, I think there is a need to be far more responsive. Uh, we have lots of talk shops and we have lots of seminars and lots of public discussion, but I'm not sure there's enough action that's coming through um, as quickly as we need it.
0: It's widely accepted that digital technologies represent the most immediate agent of change to work. Yet today we've heard more about so-called soft skills. Shouldn't hard skills in digital be the priority now?
3: We talk about soft skills, but I think they're far more important than um, the label soft tends to make them. So issues like communication, um, and it's not just uh, written or verbal, it's also digital communication. That's key. That's going to make you uh, go into the workplace, into a learning environment and really adapt quickly to Be able to participate in the conversations that are happening. The other is this critical thinking skills that we talk about, so problem solving. uh, You know, people being able to take learning, um, technical or whatever nature of learning, and applying it um, to a solutions orientated approach. And it always comes back to people coming into the workplace, whether it's young, whether it's us, um, having the ability to adapt to very quickly changing workplaces, uh, to different forms of work but being able to do that through these critical core skills.
0: Eister Adomatia made the decision to pursue an apprenticeship instead of a university degree in the face of some pressure in the opposite direction. Down the line, she explained why she felt work-based learning was right for her.
4: During my A-levels, there was a huge push uh, for me to go to university, but I didn't feel like it was the right route for me because I value work experience just as much as education. I really wanted to kickstart my career as soon as possible.
0: So how effective has her time as an apprentice been in giving her a solid grounding in the skills required in the modern and future workplace?
4: I feel like I've learnt so many like, professional skills doing an apprenticeship. Um, it's obviously really important to for me to get my education, but it's just as important to know how to apply it to a workplace and to understand how businesses work a lot of my friends are quite nervous about applying to jobs and I definitely feel more confident uh, about it because as well as my education I'm gonna have 18 months of work experience in the field and just you know knowing how business works how to talk to people
0: So, as Eister says, experience in the workplace provides an invaluable lesson in the communication and protocol skills required in a career. Beyond that, it builds confidence in familiarity with the workplace and its culture that university leavers may find trickier to acquire. With the value of work-based learning established, if we look at re-skilling as an essential method for ensuring individuals can enjoy a position in the workforce across their careers, where do we see best practice? Which are the organisations with the foresight to react? Here's Nasreen Mani again.
3: We're seeing as the GAN um, individual company members and often individuals in those companies who are really being responsive um, and recognizing uh, these changing dynamics. Um, I'll give you an example. Zurich Insurance um, has different strategies in different regions. So in North America, they're now pioneering um, an apprenticeship in the insurance sector where they're working with competitors in the sector. And, you know, that's quite unusual. Business doesn't always work with their competitors. But I think there's a clear understanding that the skills needs are far bigger than just one company's challenge. There's also a recognition that uh, companies need to make their people mobile. um, And it's not a bad thing if people move out of organizations and move into different sectors.
0: So forward-thinking organisations aren't worried about talent mobility. They're looking out for the industry, equipping workers with the skills they'll need beyond the confines of any given organisation. So has this been Ister's experience, or does she feel pressure to stay with the organisation that's trained her?
4: So obviously they are investing in my education, investing in me, training me up and hoping that I would stay. There isn't much pressure on me staying. It's up to me and they respect that
0: decision. Thanks to Aista Adamatia and Nazreen Mani. Still to come on the way to work, we'll learn more about the intergenerational value of mentorship and reverse mentorship. Stay tuned. Today on The Way to Work, we've heard how young people view the future of work. We've heard confidence in the face of digital challenges, and we've learned about the importance of instilling soft skills in the generation poised to enter the workforce. We've also heard about the value of work-based learning and reverse mentorship for individuals of, frankly, any generation. We're going to explore these ideas more as we delve a little deeper into the EdEco Group Foundation's own CEO for One Month programme. The programme offers C-suite leaders of tomorrow the chance to work alongside one of the ADECO Group's national CEOs with the possibility of going on to spend a month with the company's CEO, Alain Diaz. Sophia Lim finished her stint as global CEO for one month in autumn last year. As a young person already pretty firmly set on the path to the C-suite, how much of a role does she think traditional routes into senior positions are likely to play in the future?
2: I think in the past, a lot of what, makes candidates stand out might be their degree, say the name of the university, whatever it be. But with this new generation, what you see a lot is a lot of entrepreneurs maybe dropping out of school or choosing to pursue business at a younger age or at a different time frame than, say, the traditional path. I think what will happen in the future is there will be some threshold that has to be met, it could be say a high school diploma, it could be a degree for certain roles, mainly because it could be required in a sense like say accounting, you have to have a certain amount of hours, you have to have a certain degree and things like that I think will stay quite traditional
0: in a sense. So traditional pathways into careers, university for example, aren't the only avenues of entry. Is this a social shift or can we locate it in the wider context of technological development?
2: For some newer roles or newer industries, say AI or maybe cloud computing, where if people are able to demonstrate, they're able to do the coding, they're able to have the strong communication skills. Maybe they're only 20 and haven't graduated university, but that they're willing to work the role. I don't see there being any barriers in hiring this person.
0: Just playing devil's advocate, surely a strong academic background remains the most useful foundation, at least, for a career of leadership?
2: Steve Jobs, right? I think he did not complete university. If you had the opportunity to hire someone like him today, would you do it? And I'm, I'm assuming most people would say yes.
0: So emerging roles and emerging industries will offer different points of access and opportunities for progression and reward entrepreneurialism and vocational training. Indeed, as Sophia observes with the example of Steve Jobs they already do. Alex Fleming is the CEO of ADECO Group UK, one of the senior figures shadowed by participants in the CEO for One Month programme. Her experience both as an employer and in working alongside young people gives her an invaluable insight into the fact that today, through openness to different pathways and backgrounds, there are many ways to work.
5: I think people are going to continue um, to go to university and I think that traditional route for some is the right route and for some the apprenticeship route or um, on the job learning or upskilling, reskilling through experience will be another alternative and I think the important the important thing is is that there is choice and that people can do what is going to get the best out of them and is going to really motivate and drive them to be the best that they can be um, but I think more and more we are driving towards the experience learning on the job um, and but I think you know in a, in, in a lot of instances people want variety they want choice so they Keeping people in one job and having one job for life is not necessarily what they want. And therefore, being able to give them opportunities to do rotational programmes and to move in and out of different environments is going to be critical to retaining
0: talent in the future. Alex Fleming. Today, we've heard that a strong portfolio of soft skills will be essential to support hard skills in the future. But that doesn't mean hard skills should be ignored entirely. If traditional points of entry are poised to be replaced or at least supplemented by new models like work-based learning, what should people be focusing on? Here's Sophia again.
2: There has definitely been a very visible change, I think, in, in the sort of hard skills that I think are valued in the current situation. Just by talking to like our parents and realising what they consider to be the important skills today may have been automated or be more advanced so I think one example for me would be data analytics and reporting especially to remember that reporting needs to also be attached to the analytics part so having being in an age of information of data being able to analyze it and being able to report and to get insight from the data I think is very important and it also shows a business ability to tell a story from the data um, and I think that's a skill that, is becoming more in demand and a skill that most people will have to have in the future. Second, I would say problem solving. I think business, of course, is we are, we are facing many challenges on the day-to-day basis. And to be able to break down and analyse and solve a problem uh, will definitely
0: help move the business forward. In order to keep pace with the shifting requirements of the future of work, where does Sophia think young people should turn? Should skills be picked up in the classroom or in the workplace?
2: I've always been a fan of kind of a holistic education and, and kind of making education fun and memorable, maybe because I have a bad memory, not really sure. But I think from a formal kind of learning environment, of course, you have your classroom learning, you have your you know universities, vocational schools, apprenticeships, co-ops, whatever it be, but also not forgetting that there are also online courses, which I've seen become more popular, and I have participated in a few myself, just in, in small areas that maybe you really want to uh, focus on.
0: As Sophia says, people have a responsibility to educate themselves beyond structured learning environments. And with the resources available online, they have the means to do so as well. But for Alex Fleming, what role should the private sector play in ensuring young people have the skills they'll need to last them a lifetime? So
5: I think it's about making sure that we really bridge the gap between what is effectively being taught in schools today and the education system and the world of work. And that we do that with a constant lens on where the world is going heading moving and that's challenging because we don't know exactly what that's going to look like in the future but i think one of the key areas that we absolutely know is that soft skills are becoming more and more important and that we really need to have a clear focus on improving soft skills of the generations to come so that they can have improved strengths around things like resilience creativity presentation skills, communication skills, and that they're more prepared for what the world of work will be in the future, and
0: is today in fact. We've heard a lot about what young people need to learn, but what do they stand to teach people in the organisations they're entering? The CEO for One Month programme is as much about fostering reverse mentorship, sharing ideas and fresh perspectives between new arrivals to the company and long-standing employees already in leadership roles. Sophia Lim worked alongside the ADECO Group CEO, Alanda Ayes. So what does she think she was able to teach him?
2: I think even in my experience with the CEO for a one-month program, one thing that did make me stand out was my tech savviness. I used to work in tech consulting and technology has always been a passion. So being able to bring some new technologies into the ADECO Group was pretty interesting. To bring new technology to the business, to show different business leaders that There are different ways to do things and different ways to communicate, I think, was one thing that maybe, hopefully, a lot or maybe some of the leaders that I interacted with learned from me. Second, I would say culture. Obviously, Alana and I I have very different upbringings. We are from different parts of the world. And to be able to share some of the cultural practices, to share some of the beliefs and how people do things in, say, Asia versus in Europe, how different businesses, different communication styles, you know, power distance and things like that to talk about the culture is different. The work we do may be the same, but it's done a little bit different. So the cultural aspect, I think, is also a common topic in the conversations that i had with Alon. the third thing i think is just a new perspective to things so something Alon and i really like to do is he often asks for my perspective on a certain thing that we just experienced because for him he may have known the person or known the situation for a very long time but for me because i was new it was kind of a fresh perspective fresh point of view that i could offer him
0: as ceo of a deco group uk alex fleming's been on the other side of this pairing too how have the young people who shadowed her made her think differently?
5: Often they think in a very different way. They come at things with far less experience and sometimes they're not as rigid in their thinking and therefore they can come up with something that is completely different and is um, an angle that otherwise maybe wouldn't have been explored or taken. And I think the more open senior leaders and executives can be to having that input the better the organization will be for the people working within that millennial population and for future generations coming in because we do need to change we do need to adapt we do need to listen that's critical When you've been employed in a role or you've been working for a number of years, you become conditioned to certain things. And I think these people aren't conditioned to that. And they therefore challenge your way of thinking because they constantly want to know why you do it that way. And not to just be difficult, but just to say, why do you do it that way? I don't understand why you do it that way when you could do it that way. So I think what it's made me do is stop and think about what value you are getting from everything that you do Whereas previously, sometimes I think we make decisions because we've always made them. And I think she, in the main, the last uh, sort of two, two or three that I've had with me have really challenged my way of thinking and made me question more than I would have done otherwise.
0: We just heard from Alex Fleming and Sophia Lim discussing their experiences on both sides of the CEO for One Month programme. Today we've learned a little more about the skills that will prove invaluable to emerging generations as they enter the workplace. We picked up on some of the themes we explored last week, how digital technology is poised to reshape work, but heard that soft skills will be as important as technical know-how for C-suite leaders of tomorrow. We've also reflected on the shifting ways into the workplace, exploring the possibilities opened up by an open-minded approach to apprenticeships and work-based and experiential learning. And we've had an insight into the role young people can play in reverse mentoring the established C-suite and the importance of a diversity of perspectives and opinions in keeping businesses adaptable and relevant. Over the coming episodes of The Way to Work, we'll hone in on the questions surrounding the most critical challenge to the immediate future of work, asking how the workplace and workforce must adjust in the face of a global pandemic. We'll pick up on the points raised by contributors like Sophia Lim, exploring online resources that teach valuable new skills and ensure careers remain resilient. We'll ask how technology has risen to meet the unprecedented challenges that COVID-19 thrown up. And we'll look beyond the outbreak to ask which of the changes to the world of work might stick. In our next episode, we'll hear from the C-suite itself, as the ADECO Group's CEO, Alain Diaz and Monocle's editor-in-chief, Tyler Brulé, reflect on what the coronavirus outbreak means at a leadership level. Keep up to speed and find new episodes in the meantime at monocle.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find out more anytime about the work of the ADECO Group Foundation. Simply visit adecogroupfoundation.org. That's all for this edition of The Way to Work. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks very much for tuning in and stay safe wherever you are.